0: Okay. Hello and welcome back, everyone. This is Ben Chiriboga, the chief growth officer here at Nexel. I'm sitting down with my new friend, Steve Fretzen today. Steve, welcome.
1: Hey, good to be here, Ben.
0: It's a, um, it's amazing to have you here. We got connected by another friend of Nexel, Ben Paul, who, uh, recommended you, um, all around the world of sales and legal sales. So I'm really excited to be, uh, to be chatting with you, we're going to actually talk a little bit about the taboo of uh, sales and the S-word in legal. Why don't you sort of kick us off with, um, with your background a little bit? I know that you're uh, a consultant, really business development consultant uh, for lawyers. You also have your own uh, podcast as well. Um, yeah, set the, set the table for us.
1: Yeah, so I'm not uh, an attorney by profession. I got pulled into the legal space in 2008, 2009 with the big recession um, mainly because I had been working with entrepreneurs on non-salesy methodologies for growing business. In fact, I came up with, a uh, my first book is entitled Sales-Free Selling. And what that's all about is how we can take sales and sort of kill it and move into things like, asking questions, being a good listener, empathy, qualifying, walking a buyer through a buying decision. So what resonated with lawyers was the idea that I'm not teaching them sales. I'm teaching them the soft skills of how to grow business without being salesy. And it really, really gelled. And so about, I don't know, a year to 16 months after I started working with my first attorney, it it just got out of control in a good way and i decided to push my chips in and be a specialist in an, in an industry that has a, a a desperate need for coaching and training um around business development and we don't use the the bad word sales ben because it's it's scary to people um we call it sure. marketing we call it business development anything that helps the snowflakes Uh, And the dandelions, uh, you know, feel good about doing, you know, client development, another one that we use. But um, that's really my background. I've I've written four books. I've got the podcast. And my goal is to really kind of change the way lawyers think about growing business in a a non-salesy way.
0: Yeah, totally. So, uh, what were you doing before? Tell me a little bit about the uh, the world before that. Um, yeah, and uh, nobody ever nobody ever picks legal; it sort of picks them in a, in a weird way. But yeah, what was life before legal?
1: Yeah, before legal, I've I've had a very long sales career. I started selling shoes when I was in high school, uh, uh, and and just loved the. Uh, Customer service side of it, and and helping you know learn about what people's needs are and fulfilling needs, and kind of work my way up the food chain, uh, and just continue to learn sales and become a student of the game and a student of you know how do I how do I make the best possible career for myself, and uh, ultimately ended up starting my own sales consultancy in 2004, uh, mainly focused on entrepreneurs and sales teams. And then again, you know, con, you know, transitioned over to legal in 2008 But 2009. But it, um, again, I, just, I always was taught to be pushy and to be aggressive and to be a salesperson. And I always felt raw about it. I never really enjoyed that yeah. part of it. And uh, I think it was an old school a Saturn commercial. Saturn's a car that existed in the 90s, yeah. everybody. And uh, yeah. it was, uh, no one likes to be sold. It's fun to buy, but no one likes to be sold. And that's so true. Right. And I think so... You know, why not come up with systems and methodologies that that are non-salesy as a way to accomplish goals without ever feeling bad about it?
0: Yeah, what? Um, let's let's just take a. Uh let's just take a global view. You know, you're a student of sales. You've been in the game for a while. You've written books on it. You think about it deeply, you know, what is the state, what is, what is the state of sales? And, you know, for, for putting aside the lawyers and the words that we use for, for, for all of that. And we're well acquainted with that, you know, sales in in, uh, in my world of, of tech world uh, in tech sales is, is a great word. You know, it's, it's fantastic. it's really a lever to be pooled and, um, um uh, yeah we, 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 we wholeheartedly embrace it here. Uh, what is, what's the status of sales do you think today in the world as we sit 2023 though? Uh,
1: I think it's become much more um, normalized. I think that uh, for many people, sales was a default. Profession, you know, if something wasn't working out. well, I just go into sales, right? You work in retail, you sell cars, you sell whatever you can sell to try to make some money. You know, if you have the gift of gab or you enjoy people, you go into sales. And I think now it's been right. understood and recognized that it's one of the the top ways to make money. It's one of the the, the most uh, wonderful professions if you can do it with integrity and and find the right company and the right fit. And so, while I think that. Um, you know, lawyers, um, you know, they're in, you know, maybe one of the most, if not the most noble profession. Um, sales can be seen as, as a negative. Hey, there's a salesman at my door, but I really don't like that. We've all been sold to. So it does have a negative connotation, but I think it's changing. And I'm, I'm trying to be a part of that. I'm trying to be a part of that change in how people feel about it, because what sales really is at the core is about bringing people together to uh, to solve a problem. I mean that's really what it is. And so, you know, yeah. my job is not to sell my services. My job is to evaluate people to see if there's a fit for us to work together. And so that's a very different model than I need to hit my quotas, I need to jam a square peg in a round hole and do whatever I have to do to get someone to say yes. That's why people are so turned off by sales.
0: Yeah. Let's flip it on its head just a little bit, you know, uh, but still keeping with this idea of where is the world of sales in 2023. You know, I, um, there's a lot of discussion around this idea that really we have such educated buyers now that sort of come to us. They typically know everything about us, everything about the company, you know content is abundant out there, Um, word of mouth referrals, regardless, you know, regardless of where you're at. The the point is, is that people know a lot, lot more uh, than used to be. And would you say that that's kind of a uh, contributing factor to this kind of shift in sales of where it's going?
1: Yeah, 100%. So back in the day when I started selling, you know, things, um, services and products, no one had any information. So it was sort of like, you know, if they believed in you and they needed this the product or the service, they would buy and, and, uh, and that was sort of it. And sometimes it worked out and sometimes people felt raw about it or felt screwed over by whatever they bought, whether that was insurance, whether that was a car, that was a lemon, whatever the case was, that's kind of the way it was. Now that there's so much information out there and the internet obviously being a huge part of that, buyers have a lot more control than they used to have. So when you walk in to get a car, you're not like, well, I don't even know anything about like what this should cost. You have a ton of information, right? You know what a law firm or a lawyer may charge compared to others because a lot of that stuff is easily available. So what's happened is the buyers have taken control, which then hurts the seller because the seller ends up becoming someone who just presents and, and gives numbers and then gets kind of run around. And kind of like jumps through hoops to get business, and so what ends up happening is um, a little bit of a, of, a, of, a, of a confrontational type of a situation where the buyer's out for the buyer, the seller's out for the seller, and no one's really working to cohesively find a fit. And so that's that's uh-huh. that's so, sort of what's happened. And so what I'm trying to do again is is change that model so allow the seller to take control but make it all about the buyer so that it's a mutual conversation about the problems and the potential solutions and how they fit together versus it being someone trying to get the cheapest price and the other person trying to get the highest price and it's they're not really meeting where they need to meet.
0: Yeah, you know, you know, uh, a salesperson that I really respect one time sort of said that modern sales today is kind of like going down like a uh like a river rapid together so the salesperson might be at the uh at the end sort of the river guide kind of knows the the path along but you know at the end of the day they're rowing together with other people uh who might you know the buyers let's say in this case trying to all basically get down the rapid because while there is a lot of information there's also a lot of missteps and a lot of complexity et cetera, et cetera. what do you think about that analogy does that does that does that land for you
1: Yeah, I think it does. I think, you know, again, the goal is, I mean, let's say an attorney comes to me and I'm a business development coach, you know, with, you know, doesn't have a plan, doesn't have any method of, of how to develop business, just kind of running around, you know, going to conferences and speaking here and writing there. And it's just like random acts of marketing and, you know, and, and, and if I identify those problems and the solutions that I have sort of fit those to solve those problems, and it's going to end up making that lawyer a lot more money, which is the case Because they're not wasting time and they're not spinning their wheels and they're not doing random acts of marketing, then then there's an investment of time and money and energy to be placed in that. But we need to we need to come together to find the problems, find the solutions. And I think that that getting down a river with rapids where there's good communication and you're on it you're on the same team versus it's you Uh against me. I mean, that's that's gonna be a, a much better way to get down, you know, safely without cracking the skull.
0: Yeah, totally. All right. So we're going to talk today. I think uh, the, the subject of the conversation was really going to be around the taboo of proactive, let's call it sales if we want, let's call it client development if we want, let's call it business development if we want. But really what we're talking about is kind of proactively uh, going and having conversations um, with clients. So You've now been in this game for about almost 15 years, I'd say 2008. I don't know if I did the math right, but pretty close. Um, You know, there is a... I had a former life before, uh, before getting into tech, I had a former life as a lawyer myself. And, you know, the first thing I can say is nobody ever taught a lawyer in law school, anything remotely like uh business development or sales or even client development skills. Uh, but even more so, even deeper, you know, there is still sort of a taboo around this idea of being proactive with your business development and developing business, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, why, Let's maybe just start out. Why is that the case? Why do you think that that's sort of the 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 middle middle mainstream view right now um, if you agree with with that?
1: Well, I mean, if you think about how you know what how law school works and and you know I'm not a lawyer, but I, I work with I've worked with and spoken at at a number of law schools, and there's even one or two that have picked up my most recent book and are using it as curriculum. so they are they are right. slowly coming around, you know slowly. Um, however, they're not really. Pre- they're preparing you to be a lawyer. They're preparing you to, you know, think like a lawyer and to and to handle right. the you know, the ins and outs. But they're not really thinking about marketing, business development, and, and teaching you how to be a business person because they don't know if you're going to go in house. They don't know if you're going to go in private practice. If, is it really their responsibility? You know, that's going to be a question to be answered at a later time. But ultimately, when a lawyer thinks about their future, especially in private practice there is absolutely nothing more important other than maybe being a great lawyer uh, than having your own clients. And again, I I can't tell you how many lawyers come to me. They're looking for another job somewhere else and they're totally unplaceable because they don't have a client base to bring with them. A portable book of business is an insider's kind of verbiage about it. And so I think that we've got to, we've got to figure out a way to, Start letting lawyers know early on, maybe even before law school in college and then in law school and in and, and, and the first couple of years out about the importance of developing a network, the importance of maintaining relationships, developing relationships, because the person to your left or right, I think in law school, they say, look to your left and look to the right. Those people won't be here in two years. Right? right, and what they should I be saying this. is right. What they should be saying yeah. is, look to your left and look to your right. One of these people could be a general counsel at a major corporation in a, ten years, and you need to stay in touch with that person. Right. Yeah. So it's it's uh-huh. a very different mindset that needs to be had in order for lawyers to start to realize the importance of of client development as a function of control and freedom and enjoyment of a career, and that's just not uh-huh. the past of. The legal industry and of, of law school.
0: Yeah, so I want to take. Um, you know, I, I I do think culturally it's sort of in. Ingrained in some part because there's no training, so so sort of the um, uh, the light isn't shined on that in in some respects. Uh, on another sense, it can be very competitive. I think you pointed at this in terms of law school per se. That kind of competition tends to um, uh, come out and sort of pervade itself a little bit within the or within the early practice. So nine times out of ten, you know, you're sort of 40 years old, and I think this was your last point. Or I'm just trying to synthesize all this. You're 40, 45, and maybe you're trying to move to another firm or making partner. And this muscle has never been, never been developed. So it's a little atrophied. Um, so that's just sort of like a comment summarizing this. What about, what about the, let's just go into it. You know, what about the idea that selling has sort of taboos around this? And I think you already mentioned this before. And so I went to, you know, there's a dig, there's a, there's a dignified, uh, or a um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? You know, you're you're sort of degenerating the practice in some sense, um, if you believe that um, that uh, that by associating with selling. What What are your comments around there? I'm sure I'm sure you know you've 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 had conversations about this either uh, directly or indirectly in, yeah. in manner of speaking.
1: One of, one of the first networking groups that I belong to, um, there was a life insurance guy in the room and I, I brought him because I met him and I, I thought he was a nice guy and he yep. just destroyed the room. I mean, he went out and pushed business <laughs> cards. He was selling insurance to everybody. He wasn't networking. He was selling hardcore. And eventually the right. leader of that group, the, the chamber president came up to me and said, you bring this guy? And I was like, okay. uh, yeah, do I have to say yes? I guess I do. Um, and I apologize uh-huh. profusely. And, and a lesson was learned that day that, you know, yeah, there's there's right and wrong ways to do things. And so there's an ethical way to do business development that where everybody feels good and there's a wrong way. And, and so if you're out pitching and selling and convincing, which is, you know, lawyers even call it, hey, we're going on a pitch meeting. I mean, that's a, that's that's real language they're using. And because that's what the buyers want. They want to be pitched to because they think that's what they want. That's actually not what they want. What they want, to, what they want and what should happen is uh, we've identified a problem or two. We're going to identify right. more. We're going to ask a lot of questions. We're going to continue to figure out, is this a fit? That's the most important word. And when it's done properly and ethically um, with the other person's best interests in mind, what ends up happening is it ends up being an incredibly powerful relationship building tool an unbelievably powerful um tool for for enjoying business development versus feeling negative or dirty about it because when all you're doing is asking questions, listening and solving problems, well that's all lawyers want to do anyway. So we just yeah. they've been they've been kind of shown a a bad path of of how to get business and it doesn't have to be that way. So we just need to continue to to you know help help lawyers understand you know, what selling really is. And it, it, it is not about, you know, you know, pushing anything on anybody. The words convince come, the word convince and pitch and, and sell come up a lot. And I, and I just immediately turn, turn that around and say, that's not really what we're doing here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's go deeper into that actually, because um let's, let's pivot into the modern selling. Uh So, you know, we, we grounded this conversation by saying, by saying, selling or business development or client development really just developing business and being helpful let's let's use, use that but we need to use shorter words than that you know in 2023 you know, it really isn't, we really need to reform, formulate our entire idea. Um, not only because there's more information than ever, but maybe just the old antiquated way of selling was never even the way to do it to begin with effect, effectively, you know, it really at, at its core selling is about helping, listening, asking good questions and seeing whether or not there is a good fit. Absolutely. But let's do, let's do this. Let's, let's go into that modern way of selling and I'd like for you to attach this to the idea of relationships and relationship building. Um, you know, Nexel's is all about relationship building. We have a CRM that theoretically should give you all the information, uh, not theoretically, actually does give you all the information that you need about that relationship to at both the company and the contact level. Can you say a little bit and just tie it in in a really specific way, how does B- developing business and relationship building kind of go together. Sometimes I feel like people think they're antithetical, but I actually think they're completely aligned in terms of it, it, it's necessary to, to really further a relationship.
1: I mean, at the heart of relationships is, you know, the word understanding. I think, you know, I want my friends to understand me. I want my wife <laughs> to understand me. And it, when I feel understood I feel good. I feel good about her, I feel good about me, and I think when I'm looking to buy insurance, when I'm looking to buy, when I'm going to hire a new accountant or hire a lawyer, yep. the level of understanding directly relates to my interest level in in working with that in, with that person. So, through questioning and through relationship building and through that ferreting out of information, there's a level of understanding. And when I feel understood, That's when I feel like I want to move forward. So an an easy example of this would be um, I go into a a therapist's office and I say, hey, I'm I'm having, you know, a lot of negative feelings about my father. And she says, "Uh, "Okay, well, here, take these pills and and you'll feel better about it. You won't even think about it anymore. So there was a prescription given, no understanding at all. And I don't know how I feel about taking pills. Right. So so that's what a lot of lawyers are doing is they're prescribing without diagnosing. What I would prefer is, so Steve, it sounds like you know you're coming to me because you're you're having some challenges with your dad. Can you tell me a little bit about what's been going on? Well, yeah. and then I tell what's been going on. And so when did that start and, and 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 is that always been the case, and does he treat other people that way? And there's a lot of questions that that we go at you know like peeling an onion, getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And when you do that in business development with a general counsel, with a CEO, with someone who's got problems, and you, and they feel understood, they're going to want to work with you, even if you're the most expensive or, or, or someone that they really, maybe, you know, they were just using you for numbers and you didn't have to give the numbers. They, before numbers are even given, they feel understood and they feel a connection. And that connections, I want you as my lawyer.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, um, let me ask you the idea about listening. Um, and what good listening means in sort of like this context, because in some ways, I feel like good listening isn't just about making sure that you're hearing the person. It's about being interested and wanting to to actually help. Can you say a little bit more about listening? Because it always, it comes back, I feel like, in this way, about asking good questions and listening and discovery. Can you say more about that and why, truthfully, at, at the and hopefully for all the listeners out there, we can see that, you know, listening is at the core of both good relationships. I probably everybody buys that, but it's also basically at the, at the, um, at the, at the core of developing business. And, and in that way, that's where that, that corner nexus is. But yeah, say more about, say more about listening and where you need to be to, to, to be a good listener, um, for this.
1: Right. So, so where does understanding, Well, it begins with, with good questions and it, it, it kind of goes through good listening and and empathy and understanding all, all relate. I, I personally, I, I don't have a meeting without taking notes. I have a, a notepad. I've got my remarkable two, which I'm a huge fan of that tablet. Uh, feels like paper, but it's electric, electronic. I have no paper anymore, which has been wonderful. Um, but every person i meet with and speak with i'm i'm writing down their name i'm taking notes ahead of the meeting i'm taking notes during the meeting and that allows me to not only kind of make sure that i'm on top of things but i can then say hey i you know i just i kind of wrote down here something about um, you wanted to understand more about listening, and and can you know, and then I can ask a deeper question. So I think yeah. you know, there's so many ways to get distracted with you know, especially on Zoom calls. You've got email, you've got your phone chiming. You know, my kids in Costa Rica right now, and he's he's trying to tell me about eating a Big Mac, he had his first big Big Mac, and that's happening, you know, and you know, in real time right before we got on here. So. You know, there's lots of distractions. We have to stay focused. We have to listen, not just with our ears, but with our whole being. We need to identify and and look at body language um, to identify how and read people's body language is just as important as the words they say. So there's all these things. And and again, if you're not doing that and you're distracted or you think you can just keep it all in your head, you know, if you can't, good for you. I I found that that's, that's very challenging to do, especially if you think about what understanding means. A lot of it, in my opinion, is being able to repeat back what someone said, because if you give me, let's say that, Ben, you give me something really juicy about, I had someone just as an example, um, gave me something the other day. It said, if I don't change my situation, you know, I'm not going to be able to feed my family. Now, if I just summarize that and go, um, so if I'm hearing you right, you're not happy. Well, that's not listening. I want to be able to say, you know, that sounds really difficult. You know the idea or or thought that you may not be able to feed your family is is scary. I, I I can't even imagine what what that must feel like. Um, you know what what you know what have you thought about doing to resolve that in the past? Okay, and that's going to make a huge difference in that conversation versus you know summarizing someone because you're not listening and you're not taking notes and you're not really in the moment you know fully.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask like a, uh, psychological issue. And this is for me coming from, uh, being prior lawyer. And, you know, I basically had to just, just to understand sales. I kind of felt like I had to almost give myself a lobotomy, you know, in, in, in some sense. And, and it's this, you know, in some sense, when you leave, when you leave law school, you get this title, it says ESQ behind your name. And, you know, there is a, you work in a law firm, Nine days, you know, five days a week, and you're surrounded by other lawyers and you're talking to other lawyers, and all of this builds up to basically create this perception that you are the expert and you know the prescription that needs to be done. I just, I guess I want to ask, you know, when all of that is what's surrounded around you and a client comes to you and with a legal problem, it can be very difficult to switch off and say, well, I need to deeply listen to actually understand because this person actually might knows more about their situation. Am I making sense in terms of it's hard to sort of like this? Um, I'm the professional. I'm here to just tell you what to do effectively. And... Um, To be cliche, you know, Type A personalities of lawyers and dominant personalities and all of this kind of stuff, and and that's not the case with every lawyer around the world, certainly. But you know, there's there's a lot of that kind of. I'm here to prescribe, and I know what's best, so just do what I'm saying. Coming coming from that position really makes listening and active listening very very hard. Would Would you agree? Do you sort of see that sort of pervasive a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say, go so far as to say one of the killers of good business development is solving too early. It's prescribing too early. It's uh, free consulting. And then, you know, they take, 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 and then you feel empty because they they took from you and they left and now they're not returning your calls. You've officially been ghosted. There's so many negatives to, and this goes back to the thing we said earlier, Ben, about buyers, the way buyers work. They gather, gather, (laughs) gather information but they're not really being walked through a buying decision. Okay. Right, so what, right. what I teach every day is relationship building, establishing agendas that allow for us to ask questions and not prescribe. And one of the first things I have to do with a group of lawyers that I work with is I have to, you know, if you ever watch a, an old like uh, show that about horses at a ranch, they get a wild horse, they got to break the horse. I have yeah. to break lawyers <laughs> like a horse because they're right. such amazing solution people and I am too. I'm a great solution person and we, I don't want them solving things. What I want them to do is I want them to take their solution. I want them to stuff it down in their pocket and and, and keep listening and asking questions and trying to figure out what all the details are of the diagnosis prior to that prescription being provided. And it's very hard because they have the prescription that's at the tip of their tongue and they want (laughs) to give it. And that's all they know is giving prescriptions, giving solutions. And I have to break them of that because with if they continue to do that, it hurts the entire methodology that I'm trying to teach them, which is the diagnosis, the questioning, the understanding, qualifying is a huge one. Like you're just giving information and pricing, for example, Ben, to someone who's not the decision maker. All right, it's someone that's going right. to then take that information and bring it to someone else and totally destroy it. And they're just going to say no yeah. and you just you're out $100,000, million dollar matter because yeah. you didn't have a process, you didn't think about what needs to happen before you solve and who are you giving the solution to? So there's just it's like mm-hmm. it's like a trial. There's so many moving parts and if you don't know what those moving parts are and how they're going to play out, you're going to lose the trial and same thing in sales yeah. and business development you have to know all the moving parts and most lawyers don't have any formal training on that which means that there's mistakes happening you know rampantly
0: yeah i like the uh, i like the the grab and the grounding in in the case of a trial because i was a litigator myself and you know uh, great trials have an entire arc to them in in terms of of course everybody knows from popular culture opening and closing statements and cross examination and direct examination and all the rest of it. You know, it's always wild to me that like people know that arc, but they don't do the same arc in the context of something like something like sales. And yeah, I've always I've always thought, wow, if if people could understand that there has to be an arc in this and prescribing too quickly to your to your point really hurts both you it hurts the um it hurts the 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 um your your buying partner and in some ways it could even hurt the relationship in that way so i just wanted to double click on that and sort of say like yeah that's absolutely the case you know and i think people people lose it whenever they're in another circumstance you know what they know in a trial circumstance they just don't don't know in um applies to let's say sort of like a sales circumstance i want to shift and sort of end with our last kind of pillar which is Maybe you can walk through a little bit what it means to to break a lawyer. What what needs to and we say this lovingly, of course, you know, because we're, we're 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 all in the same team. You know, what has worked? What does it mean to try to when you work with lawyers on a day to day basis? How do you start to sort of? do that process of shift shifting minds and kind of what is that what does that feel like and what are you trying to do first second third and this is maybe you know for, for everybody who's trying to make a change in, th- in themselves um to kind of get there like what what needs to happen uh, are there any realizations uh, early mindset shifts that are always really helpful
1: yeah, I would say it starts before someone engages me. Just as an example, um, I need to understand that their problems are significant. The growth they're looking for is significant. And I have to understand how motivated they are to change, how motivated they are to, to grow. Because if all they're looking for is five or 10%, you know, change, or they're just looking yeah. to kind of, you know, get a couple of skills built, that's probably not a good client for me. So I think I'm looking for even before we start. Um, that I understand that, that there's potential here and that there's, there's commitment to, to change. And to the point where I say, you know, are you willing to, to burn the ship behind you? Are you willing to draw a line in the sand, push your chips in? I mean, we have a ton of different ways of looking at it, but that's sort of the first step. The second step is now we're engaged and we need to start putting a plan together. And the plan includes a goal, uh, objective to reach. It uh, includes, you know, where's the low-hanging fruit? How are we going to spend our time? How are you going to spend your time? And then, of course, breaking it into actionable, tactical, day-to-day, you know, functions. And so as we go along, um, you know, they're going to make mistakes. That's fine. We cannot learn without failure and mistakes. But my job is to step in and say, all right, you just went into a meeting. You had a big opportunity to lock up. Why didn't you call me before that meeting? You should have. I told you to, and you didn't. Okay, so that's one potential issue. The other is they went in with the idea of, of sales-free selling, the idea of walking a buyer through a buying decision, and the buyer took control and started asking about rates, and the thing got went off the rails fairly quickly. That's okay, too. Yeah. But here's where we need to make a switch, Ben. What can we learn from that? What can we do to... When someone says, "How? what are your rates? And, and you just tell them the rates and they go, okay, this meeting's over. They wouldn't say that. They'll run out the clock on it and then never call you back because your rates were higher than uh-huh. they can handle, for example. But how do we handle that in the future? So maybe we do something like an agree and redirect. Where we say, that's a really great question. Um, I get that a lot. People are very interested in knowing my rates. Unfortunately, it's a lot like asking like, what's a bag of groceries cost? You know, I don't know what we're yeah. dealing with. I don't know what... What's involved? I don't know how to staff it. So if it's okay with you, Ben, if we could just, just, you know, allow me to ask a few more questions. I promise you, you know, we'll get to rates kind of near the end of our meeting. Is that okay? So we just came up with, with a way of continuing to ask questions, continuing to take and walk a buyer through a buying decision without giving up our solutions, without giving up our rates early on. And that's one of, you know, hundreds of different things that we need to do within the space of a meeting to get the best possible outcome. And sometimes that best outcome, Ben, is moving someone to a no. I'm turning people away. I don't want to say at a record pace, but I'm turning people away on a fairly regular basis when I identify that they're not a fit for me. On the other hand, yeah. when someone is a fit for me, it's a little bit of a love fest. And we're like, holy mackerel, this is like lightning you know, striking. You know, this is going to yeah. be, we're all going to make a lot of money here, you know, and then then yeah. you know everything's on the right track. So that's really yeah. what we're talking about is is um making sure that, that we have a methodology that's going to, that's going to work with, within, you know, within what you're trying to accomplish. And again, without ever feeling like you have to, to go out and aggressively, you know, sell or push or convince.
0: Yeah. So I want to end with, um, just picking up on something that you said, you know, I think the world of BD, I, you know, I've been in legal, I've only ever done legal my entire, my entire career. And even in that point in time, you know, I feel like there is this, um, this flash happening right now around the world of business development, coaching, client development, coaching, it's happening at the company level. We see the rise of business professionals, um, coaching professionals within, uh, all the way from big law, the largest law firms in the world. Um, my uh my good buddy Daryl Cross from uh, from uh Norton Rose Fulbright is the head of sales at a international law firm um with that title, all the way down to individual one on one coaching. What do you think's going on? Like what do you think's going on in the in the in the um in the cultural in the cultural milieu of uh, of, of legal right now that, that BD and um dare I say sort of sales coaching is kinda of coming to the fore?
1: Yeah, it's it's still a slow moving train. I mean, it, you know, in in the states, you know, you know, for me to get to get CLE approved for business development topics, you know, ten years ago, fifteen years ago was was a nightmare. Today, you know, it's just it's just it's just, it's just you know you know step right up. Um, there right. are law firms that are hiring internal salespeople now. Uh, there mm-hmm. are right. you know young lawyers and, and and are coming out and now recognizing the importance of business development as a as a part of their life doesn't mean that they're jumping in and doing it but they're at least acknowledging that it's important. Um, they still keep their head down and learn the law and, and spend the first number of years you know not doing it but that's okay. Um, it'll it'll come back you know you know when they feel comfortable that they've got the lawyer side down. And in, you know the other thing is there's a number of states in the U, a number of states in the U.S. for example that are making non non lawyer ownership a reality. Right. So right. I yeah. think there's never been a better time for lawyers to get their business development and marketing chops going than now because if you wait too long, uh, you're going to be competing against you know Google and Amazon and Deloitte and all these major players that have big pockets that are going to be buying up law firms. And you're going to be competing against, you know, actual real marketing and sales agencies. And so that's right. going to make things very, very challenging, um, in the future. Yeah. So I think, I think there's a, there's a, a definite need for lawyers to, to, to start thinking about and actually taking action on it now. And whether that's reading books, listening to podcasts, um, um, anything that, you know, hiring a coach, finding a mentor, whatever you need to do to start getting acclimated with that side of the legal business, the business of law uh, don't, don't hesitate. Don't wait because you're going to find yourself, you know, kind of left in the dust.
0: Yeah. I think that's a beautiful capstone on a great conversation. Steve, I want to thank you so much for going through and talking about, you know, the taboo of sales, how it's changing, how we need to shift our mindsets. Any last words that you kind of want to leave us with?
1: You know, I think I, I nailed it on the head with, with, you know, if, if you're a lawyer and you go to a recruiter and say, Hey, I'm unhappy. You know, my firm just got bought or my boss is a tyrant or whatever. And they're going to say very quickly to you, What's your book of business? And you're going to say, Well, I don't have a book of business, but I'm a great attorney. They'll go, Unplaceable. I mean, they're not going to be that blunt right. about anything, but you're unplaceable in most scenarios. So I'm just, I'm just kind of putting a fine point on, you know, this is, this is the reality of the industry. Uh, whether you want to bury your head in the sand or not is up to you, but lift your head up and start and start getting serious about client development. It's going to end up being a big part of, of the future for law and a future for you. And so uh, again, I, I'd love to be a resource. People don't have to hire me. They can I've written four books. I've got a podcast be that lawyer. Um, I've got tons of video content on YouTube. I mean, Ben, I just, I just want to help this industry that's in such desperate need of, of help uh, to get ahead on this on this game.
0: Yeah. Well, Steve, thanks so much. Why don't you plug a little bit the website? Um, maybe we plug a couple of the other books, Be uh, the podcast, of course, Be That Lawyer. Yeah. C- tell us where we can find sure. more about you.
1: Lots of information and in, in, uh, resources on my website, which is essentially my last name, F R E T Z I N F-R-E-T-Z-I-N.com. The Be That Lawyer podcast has, over, has hit over 300 episodes in just over three and a half years. Uh, doing two shows a week. I'm bringing on all the top experts. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ben Paul, uh, you yep. know, on the show, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's um, a great resource. And my books, I've got four of them. The ones that I'd recommend are either sales-free selling to get an understanding of how, Based on our conversation today, Ben, how, how things have changed. And then my most recent yep. one, Legal Business Development Isn't Rocket Science, which might give some lawyers some relief to know that, no, I'm not teaching rocket science. It doesn't mean it's easy. It is a learned skill. It isn't about the person that just you know has the personality that gets the business. Introverts do very, very well uh, in business development with methodology and proven systems. So check out yep. uh, Legal Business Development Isn't Rocket Science is another option.
0: Yeah, I got to say even though uh, you're a sales guy, I think uh, you got some real marketing chops on you there understanding channels and assets and uh and, and scalable systems. It's uh sales and marketing, right? They they kind of basically have peanut butter and jelly when they're working yeah. together. It's a beautiful thing, right?
1: Absolutely agreed.
0: Totally. All right. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for sitting down with us. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll be back very soon with another Fireside Chat. In the meantime, check out all the other ones that we have done. Uh, we have some really, really great uh, episodes about the changing nature of IP IP law and what IP practice needs to do to be more business oriented. Uh, we've done stuff about uh, selling to tech uh, tech companies and um, being being law firms, well-positioned for, for tech clients. Lots of good stuff there. And uh, another one in the can, Steve Frenson, thank you so much for being on uh, Nexel. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye.